0: Success is being able to tell yourself a different narrative, even when it's hard. So being able to, I guess, turn it around and believe in something better. Every day for me is still a struggle, like like lots of people. Every day I have to tell myself that I'm where I should be that I'm doing a good job regardless of what my mind wants to tell me because my mind is constantly telling me the opposite absolutely every day it's telling me I'm not where I should be who are you to be where you are you're not good at this you should just quit like but I think success is moving forward even amidst those trials being able to keep going even when you want to stop like when I look back now if I had just listened to those voices even five years ago I wouldn't have done the amazing things I've done I wouldn't have met the beautiful people that I've met I wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had so I believe that that is successful that I've been able to push aside those negative thoughts and voices that say that I can't do things and move forward believing that I can Welcome to the RMA Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. I'm glad you've joined us today. I hope you've enjoyed um, your Christmas break and your holidays, and I hope you enjoyed the last episode of the podcast with Jodie Mullen. As we now have entered the new year for 2021, I'm really excited to bring more episodes to you. And over the last sort of seven months or so since I started doing this podcast, I've been asked numerous times whether I would share my story and whether I would share about the RMA journey and how RMA came to be, which I have shared on numerous podcasts before, but I thought it'd be great to share it on the RMA podcast, of course, so that everybody could have some insight into where it all began. So my beautiful friend and RMA ambassador, Anna Kroger, had offered to share this story and host the podcast for you on this episode. So I've left it to Anna to do her thing. I didn't give her any insight to questions which she might ask. But as you'll hear in this episode, she goes quite deep in, um, I guess, about myself and my journey and also about what RMA truly means to me. So I hope you really enjoy the insights to my story and my journey with RMA, which I'm so blessed to be a part of. Please enjoy. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocrem Massage Gel. Physiocrem has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocrem has our back. To get your own Physiocrem, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Like, should we just start it like chit-chat or should we start it like we normally what start about a podcast? About I start it with
1: Welcome to the RMA podcast. Tonight the tables have turned and I will be, I, Anna Croger. We'll be interviewing you, Nicole, yeah. about your journey.
0: Okay, we can do that. All right, over to
1: you. Hi, and welcome to the RMA podcast. Today, I will be interviewing Nicole. Hmm,
0: let's start that again. No, you have to say who you are. I just, I just thought about that. Hi, I this is Anna Croitor. I Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there'll be a few bloopers in this one.
1: <laughs> I haven't done this before, remember? Hi, and welcome to the RMA po- podcast. <laughs> I can't even start it. But this is good. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the RMA podcast. Today, I am your host, Anna Croger, and I will be interviewing Nicole Bunyan on her running journey and her.
0: All right, so, so just say. Hi, this is Anna Kroja. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Today, I'll be interviewing Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mounts Australia.
1: <laughs> Actually, can we just snip that bit and just pretend you're me?
0: <laughs> you're going to do a whole. Well, I can do the introduction if you like, gonna, and then no, I can no, just say over no, to you.
1: No, no, you're going to do a whole reel of bloopers on this. Welcome to the RMA podcast. I'm Anna Croger and today I'll be interviewing Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Hi, Nicole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go you need again. to have a little bit more, um, what's the word?
1: Excitement. Okay. (laughs) All right. Welcome to the RMA podcast. My name is Anna Croger and today I'll be interviewing our normal host, Nicole Bunyan, who is founder of Running Mums Australia. Nicole has been a wonderful friend of mine for many years and I have been so encouraged and and such an admirer of Nicole, that I wanted other people to have the opportunity in our community to ask some questions of Nicole and also get to know her and her journey a little more behind the scenes of the RMA podcast. So Nicole, tell us a little bit about yourself this time, instead of uh, uh, us doing all the talking, we'd love to hear about your your, um, history your childhood. Tell us a little bit about um, your background.
0: Oh, well, thanks for joining me, Anna. And thank you for turning the tables on me this time round. Um, I've been asked a few times um, if I will be a guest on the podcast. And I guess that I was waiting for the perfect moment for that. And um, yeah, when you asked me to come on, I was quite thrilled. And yeah, I couldn't ask for a better person to The podcast hosting venue, so thank you. But my journey so we'll start back at the beginning. So, my childhood I grew up in southwest Sydney in a place called Campbelltown, and I was one of three children. So, I lived with my mum and dad, and my sister, who is my twin sister, and my brother in a little house, and um, we lived opposite a bush, which is very much like where I'm living now actually. Um, And from a young age, I actually enjoyed um, getting active and sports. And I remember as a young child competing at school like you normally would in your typical sports, um, t-ball, netball, those kinds of things. But I actually really loved running and at school I did cross country running um, and was quite good at it. Whereas when I participated in like athletics carnivals and things like that, like hundred meter sprints and things like that, I always came last, but I was a terrible sprinter, definitely not um, a short distance runner. And um, but I'd always do really well at the cross country and always did really well at the long distance events, like your 800 meters and so on. And, and not only that, I found as I got a little bit older, probably early high school, Um, that I actually just enjoyed my own company um, in terms of being active. So instead of joining, you know, um, I was in, I was still doing um, sports, but instead of doing so much organized sport, I just like to go off and go for a run by myself. So I'd run around my suburb. And then as I got a little bit older, I would actually run the trails in the bush across the road from my house, which is funny now to think about that in my childhood because that's what I enjoy doing most now as an adult. But there was a big hiatus in the middle, which we can talk about later. But, um, yeah, it was kind of come around full circle. But, yeah, that was that's where I grew up. Um, I didn't have um, anything different to most children in my childhood. Just, you know, your typical upbringing. Went to um, public school and then... Uh, went off to university and then work and had a family. So, yeah.
1: And did your, did your siblings like the same sort of, did they enjoy running or were they into team sports? So you've got a twin sister. Did she, would she come out running with you? Like, was that something that you shared a passion for or mm. was it really an individual thing for you?
0: No, we didn't share a passion for that at all. In fact, my sister is definitely was never interested in running. Um, Uh, We were very opposite in what we liked actually growing up, Um, I have a twin sister, Melanie. We look very much the same, but we are fraternal, so we're not identical. Um, But Melanie was always interested in different things um, and I was probably more the sporty one out of the two of us, so we played, both of us played netball. but yeah, as I got older, I was definitely more the active one. And I, you know, when I was at school, especially high school, I was really interested in anything to do with health promotion, public health. Um, in fact, I went to university after I finished high school to be a physical education teacher and I and I um, did part of that course. So I was very passionate, not so much about sport. I was never into organised sport so much after school. I didn't do anything... I didn't play a team sport after school but I was definitely passionate about being active and being a role model and how to how um, being active can change the role in our health in society and how we have a lot to uh, how being active can play a large role in the overall health and well-being of our nation and and I was very passionate about that um, everything I learned in high school in in the PDHP course, um, I loved, in fact, I came first in the region in my HSC in that subject. And I really wanted to go on to do something in that field. Um, I still remember my PE teacher. He was just as passionate as me. And um, yeah, I, it's funny to think now that I kind of, even though the, the path changed for me along the way, I stayed true, I guess, to the vision that I had. Eventually, it found me, um, even though there was different things that happened along the way that might have deterred that path. And, and you said you had
1: a long hiatus in your running. Um, tell us a little bit about that time, um, what, what, what was happening in your life when, when you stopped running and what brought you back on onto the path of running?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I did double in running just to stay fit when I was younger. Um, And when I think about it, a lot of the reason I ran when I was younger, like a teenager, uh, probably my early teens um, to late teens, was more about staying fit. Um, I also did love the feeling that it gave me, but my relationship with my body back then was very unhealthy. So I suffered from an eating disorder when I was in my early teens, probably, I would say 14, um, right up to my late 20s. Um, And the reason I ran was basically to stay thin, (laughs) you know. um, Any food that I ate, I needed to work it off kind of thing. And um, although I loved the feeling it gave me, just like I do now, I think my main purpose for staying active and running was to just stay in. I also attended a gym when I was in my late teens um, and early twenties, and also used that to stay fit. But then, when I had I got married and had children, um, I didn't have the—I just didn't have the time, and I didn't have the passion, I guess, for it at that stage. And I had my children quite young, so I was married at twenty-three. I had my first child. I fell pregnant six months after we were married, (laughs) Um, wasn't planned. And so I had my first child when I was 24. Um, And, and then both subsequent children two years after each child. So I had three children under 30. And so I didn't just have time for myself. My husband was off working, I was a stay at home mum. And yeah, I didn't have the ability to go out and run Um, back then running prams weren't really a massive thing nothing really park didn't exist you know I just didn't have the community of of runners like I do now or that just wasn't it just wasn't a thing back then in the area I lived and I did walk to stay fit um, but it wasn't till I think my youngest child now, Naomi, um, was probably maybe a maybe just before school. I started running again and fell in love again with that feeling. and And it was probably um, when I think back, it was probably because you know I wanted to lose a little bit of the baby weight and get fit again. Um, and soon found that I really loved that feeling again. And also that it gave me time for myself without kids and something to focus on and work towards without it being about them. <laughs>
1: so, Absolutely. And I think so many people can relate to that. And I certainly can can relate to that. Mm. Can we just rewind a little bit about, and and just explore a little bit more about that time um, that you had in your life with an eating disorder and I mean you've had a lot of quite incredible experiences in your life and you've come out of them really s- as such a strong person and and I know that it, uh, you know this is probably a difficult conversation but you know I'm interested in in how you got through that um, at that at that time, and how and how your family did, because you know, as a as a parent of of young girls, it's something that does play on my mind a bit, and I'm I'm really interested in in your journey in, at, during that time.
0: Hmm. Well, I think it was a I mean it was a very long journey, and it's still a journey that I travel today. I mean, an eating disorder is an addiction. That's what it is. Um, And although I believe you can be healed from addiction, I think that it's something that requires constant work and it is a struggle. And I guess a lot of, you know, I can't even pinpoint to you why um, an eating disorder chose me. Like I, I can't even pinpoint that to you. I feel like because i mean my twin sister um we both struggled with a little bit of an eating disorder when we were young so uh melanie was more like um just restricted eating i guess that's where it started so we'd restrict our eating and we were both quite thin but it she kind of didn't go along with it for a very long time Um, whereas i i think a lot of it has to do with my personality i'm a very I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I um, have quite high standards of myself. Um, I like things to be in order. I like to control, control things around situations where I'm involved. Like, you know, I like to be in charge of my own life, I guess. And I guess, I don't even know, I felt like there was almost some comfort in that, like that you could actually be the, um, the navigator of your own being. Um, and But sometimes I think too that around that teenage time, young teens, it's time when people's minds are being moulded around society. And, and I still see it today in our society with many different things. Um, it's a really hard time when you're a young teenager, especially a girl, because their minds are very easily persuaded and which is so dangerous now especially in light of social media and things like that um yeah. i think that back when i was a teenager it would have been in the 90s um early 90s uh late 80s um all the models and all the media that you saw in magazines everybody was stick thin that was just what you saw it wasn't athletic i mean maybe like l mcpherson might have been most athletic you'd see but everyone else was stick thin so that's the role models that we had that is what we had as a role model i still remember doing my personal interest project for society and culture for my hsc about eating disorders because i was passionate about it right (laughs) and it was what i was living in my life i've never really sat down and had a hugely deep conversation with my parents about it but I, I know it was traumatic for them. You know, I still remember my mum taking me to the doctor because I was so thin. I remember eating anything I'd eat, I would vomit. I don't even know how I stayed alive. <laughs> and this yeah. went on for years and years and years and years. Um, if something went wrong in my life, I would use my bulimia as a way of coping. Yeah. So, yeah. It became more than just a a thing about staying thin. Then it became a coping thing. It became about how to actually live my. It was like all part of me. So if something went wrong, or if you felt a certain way, you would you would vomit. Like it 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 doesn't even make sense to me in my own brain. And to be honest, um, that went on for a long time, even when I had my children as young family. And then one day. I just remember thinking that this is just so dangerous. Like it had been, when I thought about it, almost 15 years that my body had been being abused. (laughs) Like, And I had over time when I was younger, before I got married, my parents sent me off to psychologists. um, And I hated it. I hated going. I didn't want to be there. And I just stopped going because I wasn't ready to take those steps and I don't think um I meshed well with a psychologist or whatever it was. It just wasn't the time. But as I got older I just thought that um I want to be around for my kids and this isn't serving me. This is not serving my body and God has a greater purpose for me in my life. Um, I'm loved regardless of what I look like or what I've done. Um, you know, a lot of it was tied up in my past. Um, if I failed something or, or if I felt like I failed something cause I didn't see it through or those sorts of things, I'd punish my body. So I think it was just a process of learning to accept that that was my life and that things happen in my life that were out of my control, but that I was still worthy um, that I still had things to give that I didn't need to punish myself when things went wrong. Um, and that there was more to me than what I looked like as well. I had a beautiful family. I had a beautiful husband. Um, and I think when I finally, I didn't need to see, I didn't see a psychologist or anything, but I think when I finally started to let go of those feelings of, you know, poor self-worth, you know, not good enough, you know, like I'd always punished myself for not finishing what I started, like not finishing my degree, Um, those sorts of things, you know, being such a high achiever, um, you know, getting really good marks in my HSC, working my, uh, my butt off and then quitting or stuff. I'd always punished myself. So once I accepted that those were things that you know, were almost out of my control in a way um, for certain reasons Um, and that it was okay and that I still had stuff to bring to the table, those feelings just started to kind of melt into the background a little bit more. So I guess those loud voices in my head became a little bit softer over time. There's times when I am faced with the thoughts again, um, but It's about how to change your mindset around and I guess either distract yourself from those thoughts or tell yourself a different thing. So,
1: and that's interesting because one of my other questions and it was actually going to be later in the podcast was what do you think makes a successful mindset? But we might jump to that question now because I I think that's very much um, a a great segue into that question, but also what makes you an endurance runner, that mindset? And, I, and I'm really interested in your thoughts around what what makes it a successful mindset?
0: Mm. Well, I think, you know, success is different for everybody and success is what, I guess, you make it. So some people perceive success as having, you know, this amazing life or achieving everything that you've ever set your heart on. But I don't think that that's always the case. I think that, um, you know, in light of being able to turn my life around, I guess, in regards to even the eating disorder, um, success is being able to tell yourself a different narrative, even when it's hard. So being able to, I guess, turn it around, and believe in something better so every day for me is still a struggle like like lots of people every day I have to tell myself that I'm where I should be that I'm doing a good job regardless of what my mind wants to tell me because my mind is constantly telling me the opposite absolutely every day it's telling me I'm not where I should be Who are you to be where you are? You're not good at this. You should just quit. Like, but I think success is moving forward, even amidst those trials, being able to keep going even when you want to stop. Because sometimes you do just want to stop. But I don't know. I think when you look back, like when I look back now, if I had just listen to those voices even five years ago I wouldn't have done the amazing things I've done I wouldn't have met the beautiful people that I've met I wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had so I believe that that is successful that I've been able to push aside those negative thoughts and voices that say that I can't do things and move forward believing that I can
1: Absolutely. And I think that one of the striking things for me, um, having known you for so long and been on this journey, um, this RMA journey with you is that you're just so incredibly humble. And I think a couple of times I've grabbed you by the shoulders and, and shaken you and said, do you know what you've created? Do you know the difference in the world that you're making? And I think that that's one of the really beautiful things is that you, you don't. And, <laughs> I, and I
0: honestly say that with all my heart. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it myself, <laughs> and people shake their head at me when I say it to them. But I really, um, for some reason, just can't see it myself. Like, I see what's being created, and I see the beautiful connections and the network, and I see it, but I don't attribute that to me. So, I just, I just, um, I mean, I'm thankful, I really am thankful, but along with that role comes a massive burden on my part because I'm not wired to be the kind of person that takes kudos from it so that that's where I get terrified and I want to run away (laughs) because I'm like oh this is all too much for me like you know it's just all too much sometimes but let's
1: go back to the beginning of the RMA journey um and and I'd love to hear it in your words and I know I've heard this story before but I'd love everyone else to hear the RMA journey um and, and uh, just be part of um, that that beginning and and um, hearing just a little bit more about that time when you're on the couch and you come up with this idea. I, I'd love to just explore that a little bit more in your words rather than, I know a number of us have put it in our words um, in our podcasts, but mm-hmm. I'd love to hear it from you.
0: Okay, so well we're going back to... Well, we're really going back to 2012. Um, I ran my first half marathon. So I had had the kids and I it was time for me to have a little go now. <laughs> so I'd started running again and I quite enjoyed it. And I had a friend of my sister's, um, Sarah, who ran half marathons and marathons. And I thought, wow, that is incredible. And like, to be honest, this whole time when I'd grown up, I didn't even think of marathons or half marathons I don't even think I knew what they were I don't even think it came across my path that these things even existed maybe because it wasn't in the land of social media and Facebook was quite in in its infancy so I said to Sarah one day wow I would love to run a half marathon like can you help me so she flicked me across some training programs and next thing you know I was training and running for the Dubbo Stampede which is a race that she was on the race committee for, it still exists today. Um, and my sister lived in Dubbo, which is the reason I chose that event. Cause we could go out there for a weekend and enjoy the atmosphere. And I convinced hubby to come along and run too. So we took it in turns training together, like well, not together, but he would go off and do his training runs. Then he'd come home and watch the kids and I'd go do mine. And then I'd come home and watch the kids. And we sort of shared it like that. Cause the kids were really young at the time and then we finished that race and i thought even though at 18 kilometers i remember dying like literally saying to him crying saying i can't go on i can't go on i just can't go on and he's like come on babe you've got it anyway we get to the finish line of course i'm not dying anymore i just fang it for the finish line totally leave him in my dust (laughs) was totally hooked i was like that was amazing i can't believe i just ran 21 kilometers when's the next race so of course it made sense for me to try a marathon for the next race because why not you know i've done a half marathon now i need a marathon
1: that's a big jump (laughs) from one race to an x But anyway my
0: double stampede was in uh typically i think was september in 2012 so I thought I'll give myself 12 months, right? To train for a marathon. So I set my sights on doing the Sydney marathon, being in my home city. So I thought I'll train and I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't in any running groups or clubs, parkrun still didn't exist. It was just me and my runners. I had like whatever runners the running shoe shop gave me. I had tape everywhere. I look back at some of the gear I wore and I thought, oh, my goodness, what was I thinking? But I had and no idea. Mark, I had all the gear Mark, and no idea. Did this
1: marathon or was it just you?
0: No, I didn't convince Mark to do this at all. I think he was done. Kind of, wasn't that just, silly at that stage. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a theme with Mark. Like, once he runs a race with me, he has a bit of a, like, he almost goes into a semi-retirement <laughs> for a while. So it was no different here. Um, so then... Um, I trained for this marathon and once again, Sarah sent me through a plan out. I think it might've been Runners World magazine and I was buying Runners World and I was reading all the articles and I think Women's Running Magazine was a thing back then. So I was reading all of that and finding what I could online. And then I was on Facebook and it was just only relatively young Facebook then and I was following a few running pages. So there was a few people that I followed that were runners and were mums as well. And some of those people are still friends of mine today, like Kath White, um, and I mean, even Emma Luscombe uh, was following her journey, um, some people in Queensland, and I just sort of grabbed bits of information that I could find. And then I still remember the night before the marathon, we stayed in this hotel room just across from the bridge, because all we'd have to do was jump on one train stop and be at the start line. And it was the worst night sleep of my life we slept right next to the corridor where the lifts were and all night I heard the lifts going up and down up and down I couldn't sleep I don't think I got any sleep so I was a bundle of nerves I remember getting to the start line and I was even videoed uh, I can't even remember who it was someone like probably an insurance company or something did a a video like your first marathon how are you feeling and all that sort of thing I must have it somewhere Um, and yeah, Mark sort of took me in and got off to the corral and ran my first marathon and the whole way I had a smile from ear to ear. I thought this is my jam. (laughs) Like, this is just what I love to do. I don't, I'm not pushing too hard. I'm just running a nice consistent pace, but I'm running a long way, which is just me. Like, I don't like short races. I like to go nice and even and go for a long time, which is why I ended up running ultras. But Anyway, finished the marathon. My kids were there. My my husband was there. My dad was there, and my mom was there. I I saw them at the finish line. I've still got the photos to prove how happy I was. My hands were in the air. I was cheering. And then I came home, and it must have been a month later, or a few a few weeks later. Not even a month. A few weeks later, I was thinking, okay, what's next? <laughs> what am I going to do now? Like I have run the marathon. So, but I just knew that. I wanted more of that feeling, but I felt really lonely in that feeling because I didn't really have, I had people I followed on Facebook and you'd talk to them, but you didn't know them and they weren't close to you. They didn't live near you. I had no one to train with. I didn't know anybody who ran other than my friend who lived in Dubbo, six hours away. And so I remember sitting on the couch and I remember clearly in my spirit And whether, you know, if you believe in God, I do, whether it was God telling me or whatever you want to believe that someone was telling me to start a group for women, mums that ran. And so I just started this group. And back then I called it Aussie Running Mums, I think. And I invited the people that I was following to join and said, I've just started this Facebook group if you want to join in for other mums that run and we can all chat and share our information about running together. So that's where it all started. That's the beginning of the RMA journey. Um, And then over time, um, obviously it just exploded. And in a few months, you know, I think we had a thousand people or something join the group. And then my best friend Louisa came over one day, not that long after it might've been, six months later, 12, I can't even remember how long. And, um, yeah, said, you need to do something more with this. This is, this is your calling basically. And I've and gifted me that logo and we changed the name. I changed the name to Running Moms Australia and that, that was it.
1: It absolutely was. And it was the beginning of so many people's, um, uh, dreams. I, I mean, certainly that that was, uh, it ignited something in me and I joined that group very early on when there we was 100 or so women um, and I was just so inspired and it took me on a, a crazy journey over the last seven years that I, I couldn't have imagined. But it hasn't all been smooth sailing and there have been you know it has been hard and it's and it's been really hard for you on on a number of occasions and and i just wanted to explore explore some of those obstacles and some of the challenges that you've had on the journey um a little bit more because i mean from the outside it just looks like it just organically just grew and you just have (laughs) sort of sat there in the background and then singlets came along and everyone lived happily ever after and I and I know that the background it, there's there is a lot to RMA um and I know that there you know you put your heart and soul in it and you work 24 hours a day seven days a week and and I just am keen to just explore that a little bit because I'm not sure that you know the wider community understands um you know the challenges that they've had that have come along uh, on the way and, and, and certainly some heartache and, and I'm I'm keen to just sort of, you know, explore that a bit more with you.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's like when you have a baby, you want to nurture that baby and look after it. And so because RMA grew so rapidly, I had this big responsibility and still do to look after it and you know i always i always pride myself with having high integrity and and making sure that rma is a place that everybody feels welcome and that is a place for everybody to share and feel not judged and feel connected and i guess with that comes a huge burden because you know, someone could take on something like this and just go, oh, well, I'm just going to put it out there and whatever happens happens and just sit back and watch, but that's not my personality. So I feel like I am responsible and that I have to sew a lot into it to look after it. So you know it comes down to the smallest of things like who we let into the facebook group for example so you know i gathered a team of volunteers to help with that because obviously we get quite a lot of requests every single day for people to join we need to monitor and find you know we need to i guess check these people whether they come in because we want to look after our community and we don't want people spamming our members in there we want to make sure people are genuine Um, They're not just in there so they can plug their business and things like that. So, you know, even stuff like that. Um, But also, um, you know, I still have another job as well. So I work at a school two days a week um, as a learning support officer. I have three children. I have a child that has extra needs as well um, and a husband. (laughs) And so sometimes, yes, I do work a lot, but that's probably because sometimes I don't place boundaries on myself enough (laughs) as well. So I, you know, will be checking things all day and all night. And that's because sometimes I'm not very good with my boundaries, which is one thing I want to be better at this year. And I have gotten better at it over the years, like in terms of setting myself times that I do certain things, um, delegating certain things, um, But I guess too, like, you know, when you have something that seems from the outside to be successful, you are always going to have people that want to jump onto that success and take from it or use it um, to their own advantage. And for me, that's been quite a challenge. Of course, I want people to be able to benefit from RMA and work together um, collaboratively and things like that. And we do do that, but there has been some challenging times sometimes when people have tried to take from it or use it without permission, or I guess for me, that's hard because I put so much effort in and work in and um, yeah. I, I. So there's a couple of things there that I want to
1: explore um, in, there was a, there's a bit to unpack there. The first one is um, around, one of the things that's always stood out to me is essentially you're running a community of what's now 39.6 thousand members um and from very early on you had a very clear vision on what that meant mm-hmm. and and it wasn't about making money and and i think that's always stood out to me Um, and because it aligned with my my values as well is that it's about making a difference in women's lives and and changing changing a mother's life changing a family changing a community so i just want to explore that a bit more with you because i think that that's you've just hit the nail on 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 the head is that one of the challenges that you face over those over the years is people wanting to exploit what rma is and how have you managed that because it's it's been interesting as as you know a, someone who loves rma and as your friend to watch you navigate that and and do it in such a in such a humble and beautiful way but in a way that you remain true to your vision and true to rma so talk talk us through that
0: well i guess because it started off like you know a group in facebook so when it started i never thought that it would become my job, basically. um, And something that would grow exponentially and so fast. So for me, it became something that took a lot of my time. So it required, um, you know, me to, I guess, sacrifice a lot of other things as well. Um, And in terms of, you know, keeping it true to the vision that I had, which was, supporting, encouraging, connecting, and inspiring women. Um, You can't do that if you're going to be exclusively making people pay to be a member of that group, for example. So RMA has always been, you can join RMA in our Facebook network for free. You can be part of that community. You can be part of RMA for nothing. So, you know, if you want to have a singlet, obviously you pay for the singlet and the merchandise and things like that, but you can be part of RMA for nothing. Obviously we have coaching and things like that if you want extra, but in terms of having the community, I never wanted to make people pay for that privilege because I wanted people to be able to have access for that um, regardless of their situation. Um, And, but as it grew bigger, uh, I started to think, well, I'm sac- I have to sacrifice my time. I have to sacrifice having a full-time job. Like I was ready to be back in the workforce, you know, all those things um, because it's taking all of my time. So then I, I thought, well, how can, and how can I sustain it? Because it's growing so quick. And then that's when I decided to develop the member program. So, um, People could join RMA, be part of the member program. And the way I wanted to formulate that program was that um, I would partner with races and brands across Australia um, to support that program. So I would charge no money to the races and the brands to be part of our program. Um, and the members would have the privilege of having discounts to those races and brands. And the reason I did that that way was that, um, one, it was a low fee, like, for the year, for members to have access to those discounts and brands, but also it was supporting our network of races and brands in our country, um, which deserve our support, because without them, you know, we wouldn't be having the running communities that we do either. So... So that's the way that I set it up um, and continue to set it up. And over time, you know, I've been approached by so many people and companies and services and um, I've had to say no to a lot of people because it doesn't fit with the vision. It doesn't sit right with me even as an individual to be plugging things um, to get money or things like that. I just, want it to always fit within the vision so obviously rma has to make money because it has to continue and it has to grow and it has to pay a wage i'm still the only employee in rma because it as much as people probably think it makes so much money it's just making a wage for me so and you know to sustain to grow um to continue it on because you know I can continue this on for another 10, 20 years. Who really knows? Or maybe someone else will continue it on. But I always want to be able to stay within the purpose and the vision. So all the things that I do in the background are, uh, have that vision and purpose as at, in the forefront um, of everything I do, including the podcast Um, it's all about women in our community or people that can inspire our community so it always goes back into the community that we we're building at RMA so I guess for me um, and maybe it's because of the kind of person I am I just want to do right by the community like I just want to protect what we have and support what we have, so I don't know. Does that answer your question? Absolutely,
1: and so many of us that have come along on this journey with you believe in that vision, and are here because we want to be part of that vision and contribute to that vision. And um, so it, it, it absolutely makes sense to me, and it's certainly been a big part of my life. Um, and to to the point that, uh, as you know, like my my career path has. Ended up going down that path of wanting to only do things that are aligned with with my vision of of, of changing mm-hmm. you know the world, and that started with you. So in so many ways, my running journey and also my bigger life journey has come from RMA, and, and I think it's a number of people in our community that are the same. Um, one of the other really interesting things that you mentioned when we we started talking about the RMA um, journey was the number of things that you've got going on in your life i mean I, I don't think a lot of people listening to this podcast realize you work two jobs you've got three kids you know there's a lot going on when you're training for a big event how do you get that all to work like how do you make it all happen two mm-hmm. jobs training for a you know a, an ultra for example you do coaching that's one thing you didn't mention in your juggling um you do you do, do your own co- coaching for, for a number of people like there's a lot going on in your life and how, how do you actually make that all happen?
0: Um, well, not very well sometimes, which is why I have a problem with, um, with balance <laughs> in terms of like working all hours. So, I mean, I think in a way I'm in a very privileged position though, because, you know, I work from home other than my other job where I work two days, I work from home. Um, so I can, run early in the morning and then still work during the day and I can work in the morning and then have the middle of the day off and then work again in the evening or I can work from anywhere because everything I do with RMA basically is via a phone or a computer or a laptop right so I can work from anywhere Um, obviously the RMA store is here and so I I can't send things from anywhere but in terms of working and being on top of everything I can do it from anywhere so have to travel to go to a race i'm still working while i'm there i'm checking things i'm emailing people i'm fixing codes i'm coaching i'm putting up social media posts i'm looking after the partners i'm doing all sorts of things um while i'm there but the way that i manage it is um i don't even i don't even know because i say that i'm a very organized person but in terms of all of that i feel like it's chaos actually (laughs) but But I am focused when I'm really invested in something. So if I'm really invested in a race, which I haven't been for quite a long time now, um, invested in actually training for something specific. Like last year, obviously, it was a write-off for everybody. So I didn't really train for anything specific. But when I was training for something specific, like 100Ks, for example... I, I had a plan and I stuck to it and I focused in on that and all my work came around it. Um, I'd even, you know, go after work at the school or, you know, fit it around my family somehow. So I'd always, I always make sure that I prioritize things that have to be done, I guess. Um, and other things might fall by this, the wayside a little bit more. So this year, for example, um, you know, we didn't have races last year, I should say, we didn't have races um, as much because of COVID. So I didn't feel the need to write or support so many articles on the website, which I would normally edit and put up. So, and because I had the podcast that took all of my time. So researching, doing a podcast every fortnight, editing a podcast, which takes quite a long time. And then putting it all out there. That took a lot more time than I thought it was going to when I took on doing that, Um, but I love it. And so I prioritize it because I love it and because it's getting great feedback. So things like the articles on the website have taken a bit of a backseat. So I guess it's about prioritizing what's important. This year will be a little bit different because I'm running, hopefully, God willing, in October in South Australia, my biggest race to date, so 115K. And the training really is starting now. So it's all about getting a good base and I will participate in a few events leading up. Um, But I won't get serious about the training till closer. Um, So things will just fit in. But yeah, I guess I don't, I can't, I don't even know. Sometimes my husband gets annoyed with me and says, "You just don't ever stop." Like, and I know when I'm reaching my tipping point. So, for example, at the moment, I've reached my tipping point. Like, I'm ready for a holiday. Um, people might think, "Oh, COVID was so easy. We just still sat around and did nothing." But someone like me. And in sports specifically, and in the background of doing what I do, it was busier than ever because you were trying to stay on top of the game and ahead of the game the whole time with such uncertainty, trying to keep people motivated and active and moving and making sure, you know, was the member program even going to work this year and all of that stuff. And I start planning for the following year at the beginning of the year, basically. So nothing stopped for me. In fact, it got busier and harder. Uh, there was much more to keep on top of. And so now I'm ready for a rest. <laughs> so.
1: tell, me, tell me, you know, I mean, this year you're right. It has been, you know, crazy for everyone. What are the lessons you've learned along the way in terms of, you know, juggling and balancing and, you know, then a spanner in the works of, of COVID? What do you think is sort of your your, your lessons that, that you've come out of 2020 with?
0: Mm. It's a good question. I think I've learned most because I'm one of these people who typically from the past likes to be able to control their life, <laughs> even though I know that I'm not in control of any of it, basically, um, that I just need to learn to live in the moment and not worry about the, the future, just be in the present. So, you know, when COVID hit, um, in well it was probably really when it really got bad march say um all the races were stopping and even my work at the school we were working from home and my school was one of the first schools in sydney to have coronavirus at their school um you know all of that all of the uncertainty um was terrifying like i just thought and because i don't have anybody here that works with me in the business, for example, that I can go, oh, what are we going to do? It's just me. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, how is this going to actually affect me? And for someone like me who uh, likes things to go well, (laughs) it it could throw a real spanner in my life and and cause me to spiral, I guess. Um, So I was really quite happy about how I, controlled that time for myself so I thought okay well basically I can't control any of this this is just it is it's what it is um I have to do what the government is saying um luckily everything changed with you know all of the financials I guess job keeper and all those things my husband's job my job everyone was going to be okay Um, and more it was more about okay how do we how do we keep people safe and how do we keep people motivated and active and moving and that became the focus so i guess i just changed my focus um switched it to what can i control in this moment what can we do in the present um every single week what can we do this week let's not skip ahead a few weeks because we don't know what that's going to be like and that's still the same now what can we do this week um And I know that
1: you've taken that very seriously this year, you've taken that responsibility um, and probably the rest of the community doesn't know that but you know we've had many conversations where you've felt that burden and that load around how do I keep everyone motivated, how do I keep people moving notwithstanding that they can't leave their houses and and i and i know that that's been something that's really weighed heavily on you this year and and you've been every week thinking of new ways and and i've been so impressed with your creativity and the way you've you know kept putting things out for the community um but that that's obviously taken a bit of a mental um load because as you said before you you're, you're done you're ready for a holiday now yeah How how do you think that's going to go for you this year? Because, I mean, we still see so much uncertainty. And how are you going to, you know, keep people motivated but without putting such a burden on yourself and and looking after yourself along along the way this year?
0: Yeah. I think because I do struggle with... um, I like to just do it all. I think that's just my personality is I'm a doer and I like to do it all. And someone will say, let me help you. Let us help you. And I'm like, it's okay. I've got it. But then really, I think I need to learn to just let people do stuff. So I am not without help, (laughs) right? In RMA, like I have thousands of women that are willing to put their hand up and help each other. So that's what I'm hoping we can do this year. Like last year I had it too. Like I had people helping, don't get me wrong. They were, they were doing amazing things. We had, you know, all the RMA community ambassadors putting out those videos. And then we had Tova doing all the workouts for lockdown and all those things. We have such good help. But I think this year I'm going to kind of just ask for more help, like, you know, or put it out there and say, you know, what would you like to see? And is anybody willing to help do that? So, and I think, um, you know, even though we think we're at the, you know, we're coming to the outside of COVID, we're really not. The uncertainty is still there as much as it was in March last year. Um, Yeah. We don't have the amount of cases, but we're still, we're still basically stuck. We're still living. Like I was supposed to see you, the last week, just before Christmas, and we were literally a day, one day beforehand, and the border shut. Like, it was devastating to me. And if I learn anything from that moment, it is like that I've just got to live in the present, that I can't be constantly thinking forward. Even that race in October, I can't be constantly thinking forward. So... For me this year, it's about what I can do each week. So I'm not actually, obviously I've got to plan a few things ahead in terms of logistics, like what races are we going to hope to have tents at or, um, you know, few things that we want to do throughout the year or, you know, what does the member program look like for 2022, all that sort of stuff. I do have to plan all that stuff. But in terms of the the kind of um, getting together and being on the ground and in the actual Facebook group in the community and keeping people active and motivated. I think that's stuff that I'm thinking not too far ahead with. So the podcast for me, uh, when I first started them, I was whacking them out. Like, you know, <laughs> I was recording like two or three a week and then there'd be too long a gap between them to be coming out. And I had this big backlog because I was like thinking, Oh, I've got to have to do all this but I think now I want to be a little bit more reactive to conversations and really listen to when people are saying stuff in RMA, Oh, that's a good story. I'd like to go there, you know? So that kind of stuff. Um, and, 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 and if you're listening now, like if you've got a good story, like hit me up, I'd love to share it. So I don't know. I I really feel like I'm in a blessed position where I am. Um, because for me, I get to do what I love every day. So yes, sometimes it's hard because it's like anything you do with a business in the background, you've got the boring stuff that you have to do, you know, and then you've got the really exciting, good stuff. And I'm so glad that I get to do the really exciting, good stuff. I'm thinking of starting to delegate some of the boring stuff. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, um, which I have started to do.
1: There's so many, I mean, there's so many people that you know, are dying to do more and, and want to help in any way they can. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think you'd have any shortage. And and we're gonna um, hold you accountable to some of the things that you've said about balance this year. So everyone yeah. here that's listening to this, yeah, um, holding Nicole accountable to the to to her balance this year. The last sort of theme I wanted to look at with you is is being a mum and and what you hope that your children will see when they look at, at you and your commitment to running and your um, commitment to RMA and that legacy. What what is it that you want your kids to to look back and go, wow, that was that I mean they're going to in any event, but um what what are the sort of standouts that you want them to remember? Mm. I just really
0: want my kids to Well, a few things. I want them to believe in themselves. I don't want them to sell themselves short. Like I want them to actually believe they can do things, even if it gets hard and to push through, see it through. Um, And I want them to always know that there's more to life than what's in your lane. So what I do with RMA as much as it serves me in terms of being surrounded by such amazing people and learning from such amazing women is that it's not all, it's not about me. It's not about me at all. So I want them to know that they've been gifted this life to be able to bless someone else. Um, and that, they need to look outside of themselves to find, I guess, that true joy and beauty um, in life. So I've been so blessed. When I look back to that night that I started RMA on the couch, I would never have imagined the joy and the blessings that would come from that. Um, and I'm not talking about uh, money, finances. I'm talking about experiences and people and just watching women find who they are and connect with who they are and share that with their own families. Like that is just, that means more to me than anything. Like that is when you know that you're actually living your passion and your purpose, when you see the fruits of your labor in terms of that. So I want my kids to be able to, have success, I guess, in whatever they choose to do. Um, but more importantly, that they learn lessons like that along the way. Yeah, I guess we're blessed to bless others in this life. That's what I want them to get out of what they they see me do each day.
1: Yeah, that's really beautiful. I really love that. And it's so in theme um, with the rest of our uh, the podcast that we've had today, because, it, you know, it, it's so much about what RMA is and, and your legacy with RMA. So I, I think that's a really beautiful sort of nice thing to end on, because I think it really wraps up that the podcast. Mm, thank we are, you. we are blessed to, we are blessed. And, and uh, the community is blessed that with your vision and what you've created. So I think that it's a really beautiful sort of end note um, and wrap up, but I am going to do the RMA hot lap. And oh, I'm gonna- the exciting that you asked me um so quickly um favorite race fuel
0: oh quick, i quick, have quick. to go sorry quick um spring energy at the moment i'm loving it
1: favorite thing to wear when running
0: hmm. my on running shoes
1: undies i thought you were gonna say on running <laughs> shoes okay
0: Perfect. um
1: one thing you can't go without on a long run <laughs> Ooh. shoes. There's a theme here. (laughs) Favorite running moment?
0: Oh, that's a hard one. Favorite running moment? Oh, gee.
1: The person that wrote that question, I mean,
0: how ridiculous. I mean, how that's so hard. Imagine asking that question. Imagine asking that. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite running moment? Oh,
1: gosh. You've got five seconds to go.
0: Oh, gosh. It's so hard. Okay. Oh, man. There's been so many. Okay. All right. I think. What I don't have a favorite, but one that would be up there um, would be when I was doing the Ring of Fire Ultra, and I got to the top of the volcano, and I I looked ahead, and in front of me was a waterfall, and I had to scale up the top of this waterfall like run up the top, like climb a side of a waterfall. I was like, I couldn't believe it when someone, I don't even know why I didn't know this in the race already, but someone was telling me along the way that we're going to climb a waterfall. And I was like, what? No. And they're like, yeah. And then I was terrified thinking, oh my gosh, I can't climb a waterfall. I'm going to die. But then when I actually saw this waterfall and I had to climb up and cross over the waterfall in the race. And I looked around behind me, the photographer was there and I put my hands in the air and I was just like, yes. And I looked around behind me and I could just see the expanse all the way off into the distance to the valley below. I was just thinking, this is amazing. I'm so lucky to be here. So I think that has to be up there with one of my favourite moments. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a be- that's beautiful. And I think um, for anyone listening to the podcast, you could probably see that photo on um, our RMA Instagram. So jump on there and have a look at that photo. Yeah. Um and, and we'll repost it with this um, with the podcast anyway. One word to describe your experience so far. And you're only allowed one because someone wrote this question and made it really <laughs> difficult.
0: No. Well, I don't know who that would be but oh, no. One word. Blessed.
1: Oh that's beautiful. That's perfect. Well, thank you for letting me turn the microphone around on you. I think there were a lot of people that were I'm really keen to hear your journey uh, and have been loving the podcasts. Um I'm constantly getting feedback from people. Tell Nicole that we love the podcast. We love it. keep them coming, keep them coming. And I'm thinking she's got a backlog of about 90, so don't worry. You don't
0: <laughs> no, actually, right. three. Pass on, <laughs> on the feedback. Uh, thank no, you. It won't be that bad. For thank everything you. that
1: you've done. Thank you for everything that you are. Um, and thank you for sharing your journey with us.
0: Thank you, Anna. Thanks for being so amazing. And yeah, thanks for convincing me to share my part of my story too. I've just, yeah, you've actually opened up some things that I have to go and think about a little more. But, you know, I, I'm really blessed to be where I am in terms of having um, people like you in my life. And obviously, RMA, Um I, I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for it. So I'm so thankful.
1: Yeah, look, I, I would my life and and go back and listen to episode two has changed because of RMA, and I can't believe that episode two was in July last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what a different world we live in. Um, it it I was I was reflecting on some of the episodes before our interview um, to to think about some of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I think, gee, July last year that um, that time's gone so quickly.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: So, um. Keep listening to the podcast, everyone, and uh, shout out to uh, Nicole if there are ideas or if you have a story you want
0: to sh- you share with us. Yeah. Well, thanks, Anna. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the RMA podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit more about my story and how RMA came to be. If you love this episode, please share this with your RMA friends. And please rate, subscribe and review. And I look forward to speaking to you next time.